frequency. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about hearing God's voice. You know, as we enter into relationship with Jesus, something He wants for every single one of us, as we, as we enter into relationship uh, with Jesus, um, and I'm going to pause right there, and it's time for our junior and senior high to head out with Jeff to the fireplace room. So, uh, and that. But as we enter into, in, into relationship with Jesus, um, a big part of any relationship, really, is communication. You know, if, you, if, if you're married, if you don't have communication with your spouse regularly, then that relationship is struggling, to say the least. We need communication. It's, it's, a, it's a huge component of relationships that we have with anybody. And the same is true with our relationship with God. It's, it's you know, that, it's a necessary component, that communication. And that's what prayer is all about. You know, right now, as Susie said, we're starting our third week of 21 days of prayer. We're coming together for one hour a day, lifting our voices to God and just calling out to Him. And that's one part of communication. But the other part of that is learning to listen to His voice, listen as He speaks to us. And I've been praying, you know, as, as, as uh, we've gone through these 21 days, as we're going through it, I've been praying and saying, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak some things to me, to my heart, that that I need to know. And he's been doing that. And um, you know, it's just we come, you know, day after day. It's 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 a part of the communication. It's not only uh, lifting our hearts, but also God speaking to us, because uh, uh, learning to listen to His voice is a is a a part of communication with God that we don't always. We don't always pay that much attention to. You know, we're, we're, we're really good at saying, God, can you help me with this? God, I need this. I need you to show up in this situation. And God, would you watch over as I do this? Give me protection as I do this, your provision here. We're real good at that, but we're not always so good at tuning in and listening to his voice talking to us. So that's what we've been, that's what we've been talking about. And the passage we used to kind of kick off this series is in John chapter 10. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd. Okay, the gatekeeper opens the gate, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And they won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. So, so, so far we've talked about different aspects of this, of, of hearing God's voice. We've talked about the need to prepare our hearts to hear God speaks to us because he wants to speak to each one of us. In fact, he is speaking to each one of us. But to receive it, we need to have our hearts prepared. And, and we, we, we talked about that because, you know, we don't always, we just don't always hear him. Our hearts aren't always prepared or, or sometimes we're just not listening. And other times, you know, we can't hear them because of all the noise and all the static in our lives. You know, it's like tuning in a, 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 a radio, particularly an old analog radio. Remember those where you, you're fighting with the dial and there's, you know, you're, you're just turn, trying to turn it ever so slightly to try to tune in to get the best signal for the station. And sometimes, especially if there is a lot of dust in the radio, if there's dust in that dial, you touch the dial and just... <laughs> hear all the static going on you know so we're trying to get rid of all that static we're trying to get rid of the 
uh, all of the interference and the static in our lives so that we can hear God speak to us. And, and uh, you know, last week then we talked about how God often speaks to us in a whisper, a whisper. Some translations call it a still, small voice. You know, he's not always shouting to us. Most of the time, he's, call, he's talking to us in a still, small voice. When, you know, I, I think it's one of the main uh, uh, ways that God speaks to us, but we don't often hear him because of all the other stuff going on in our lives or because we're not listening to it. Maybe we're expecting God to hear you know, maybe we're expecting to hear God speak to us one way and he's just quietly whispering, but we're not looking for it, so we're not listening, so we don't hear it. Uh, and to complicate things further, there are other voices in our lives as well. You know, God is not the only one that is speaking to us. You know, we have also there are other people are speaking into our lives. And sometimes what they're saying is from God. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people. But other times, uh, it's, it's not. You know, sometimes it's the enemy that's speaking to us. It's whispering in our ear and telling us, do this, go here. And, and, and God's saying, no, don't. You know, sometimes it's just ourselves, just our own ideas, our own mind that's, that's, that's working and telling us what we need to do or what, you know, we need to hear. So we have to learn to recognize God's voice because His isn't the only voice out there. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test, test the spirit's to see whether they are from God. We're not to believe everything that comes to us. We're not to believe everything that someone says, even if they claim this is from God. We need to test the spirits. We need to test what we're hearing. We're not, you know, just because we get an impulse uh, doesn't mean it's from God. Just because we get a dream and we know that God speaks through dreams doesn't mean that that dream is of God. We are to test the spirits because it's not always the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And, you know, just like the Bible says the church is to test prophecies because it's not always God. You know, I'm, I'm reading through uh, as, uh, the Bible this year again, and, and as I'm, uh, where I am right now is in the book of Jeremiah. And I was reading this morning and how, you know, Jeremiah is saying this, but all these other prophets are saying this, and they're con contradicting what Jeremiah is saying. You know, and so you had Jeremiah, prophet of God, and then you had all these other prophets claiming to be speaking in the name of God that are speaking, and they're wrong. They're not prophesying from the Spirit of God. You know, so, so you know, just like we are to test prophecies, you know, just because somebody says, thus saith the Lord, uh, doesn't mean that thus saith the Lord, okay? It doesn't always mean that it was God speaking. So, you know, but just as we're to test prophecies, we're to test what we're hearing, what we believe we're hearing from God. So the question then is, how do we know? How do we test what we're hearing? How can we learn to recognize God's voice? And this morning, I want to give you four filters, four questions that you can ask that will help you to discern, to judge whether or not what you're hearing is God speaking to you or someone else or, you know, last night's pizza 
or, you know, the enemy, whatever. <clears throat> and the first of these, right off the bat, major one right here, does it line up with the Bible? Does what you're hearing line up with the Bible? We need this because Proverbs 4.12 tells us there is a path before each person that what? That seems right, but it ends in death. So there's a path in front of you that seems right. There's something that you're hearing or you're seeing that seems right, but it's not always right. Sometimes it leads to death, it says. That's why we need to ask, does this line up with Scripture? Just because something seems right doesn't mean that it is right. So the first place we go is we go to the Bible and we say, how does what I'm hearing line up with what God has already revealed in His Word? See, God's voice will never contradict God's Word. God's never going to tell you to do something that His Word says no. Now, I want to take an easy example that you know, we'll all get. A number of years ago, and this will, tell, this will show who's of an older and wiser generation. Okay, You can't just tell by the gray hair. Um, so, sometimes that's an indication, but there was a song that came out, and let me know if you know this. It's sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. How many recognize that song? Okay, how many don't? Okay, you, Brian, I'm shocked. You don't recognize that song? You're old enough to know this. Anyway, um, uh, how many, you know, it's sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. The premise of the whole song is that, you know, someone is with the wrong person and then the right person, quote unquote, comes along. All right. Have you ever heard anybody, known anybody, hopefully you've not said this, but have you ever heard, had anyone say to you, they're married, but I think I married the wrong person. God, I think, wanted me to marry this person. Ever heard that? Now, would God ever speak that? Would God ever tell anyone, I never intended for you to marry the person that you married, so leave them and go be with the other person. Well, let's go to the Bible. Matthew 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And then what does Jesus say? He says, haven't you read the Scriptures? I want you to notice what Jesus did. They're coming at him. They're trying to trap him. He points them right back to the Scriptures. He didn't say, well, which one is going to make you happier? Are you going to be happier with your current spouse or without your current spouse? He didn't say that. You know, sometimes we feel like God's whole purpose in life is to make us happy. At least that's what we act like sometimes because we make decisions based on what will make us happy. But newsflash, God's job isn't to make us happy. Okay? God's not working just to make you happy. God's working in you and me to make us holy. Okay? To make us more like Christ. Now, it just happens that as we become more like Christ and line up more with, with, with who he is, with his character, that's when we're truly the happiest. Because that's when 
when we're living life according to how God designed for us to live life. But the goal isn't just whatever makes you happy, you know, whatever floats your boat, then that's what you do. Jesus said, what do the Scriptures say? And then he tells them what the Scriptures say. He says, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So in our illustration, it fails this test. It fails the test of does it line up with the Bible because it doesn't. Now, having said that, I also want to say this. A number of you were here today, and you've been through divorce. Maybe you initiated it. Or maybe you didn't want it, but it happened anyway. Does that mean that somehow you've blown it the rest of your life or that God loves you any less? Absolutely not. See, God isn't against somebody because they're divorced. He's not against divorced people. He's not against people with brokenness in their lives. He is against divorce. He hates divorce. And the reason is this. The reason is because of the pain and the devastation that it brings into people's lives. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. And the truth is he loves you and it breaks his heart to see you go through that. As you were, as you were in that apartment or in that house and feeling alone and feeling broken and feeling like nobody was there, Jesus was there, and he was reaching out to you, and he was embracing you with his arms. See, the reality that we live in is that we experience all kinds of brokenness in our lives, not just divorce. There's all kinds of brokenness in, in, in each one of our lives. But we serve a God who is able to redeem and able to restore no matter what kind of brokenness we experience. He is able to redeem us, and He is able to restore us. Your brokenness brings pain into your life, but it doesn't stop God from loving you. And He reaches down in the midst of the brokenness and holds you in His arms. He loves you. Now, so the first question we ask when we're trying to discern whether or not something is from God not does it make me happy, but does it line up with what the Bible says? And, um, you know, not, and again, not can I find one verse that, you know, pulled out of context supports what I want to do or what I'm hearing, but does it line up with the whole of Scripture? Luke 21, 33 in the Living Bible says, And though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my words remain forever true. See, God's word is always true. It's never outdated, and God doesn't contradict his word. Second question, second filter for you know, recognizing God's voice. Will it make me more like Christ? 
Is this going to make me more like Christ? If I follow through with what I'm hearing or what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, what I'm thinking, you know, is, is God, is it going to make me more like Jesus or less like Jesus? See, once we enter into a relationship with Jesus, once we surrender our lives to God and say, God, I am yours, and we begin to follow Jesus, our goal and our desire is to strive to become more and more like him. More and more shaped into the, into the, into the character of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Think and act like Christ Jesus. So you're saying... So, 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 you know, you're thinking, I, I think God's wanting me to go say thus and thus to this person, or I think God's telling me to do this certain thing. Ask yourself, after I say that to that person, or after I go and do this, will I be more or less like Jesus? What's the effect that it's going to have in my life? Or maybe somebody posts something in, on Facebook, and you see it, and you just disagree with it. They are wrong, no doubt about it, you know, and, you're, and you, you just, you, you really want to respond. In fact, you spend a couple of minutes saying, man, I've got the best comeback to that. I, I, it's, it's, you know, the best comeback, it's going to, in Facebook language, destroy this person. You ever hear that? You know, you read these, these news things, or, or not news things, but things that are put out there that, that you know, so-and-so destroyed this person, you know, in, in two minutes or whatever. Is that really our goal, to destroy somebody else? But you've got this comeback that is so good. Before you post it, ask, will posting this make me more like Christ or less like Christ? You know, the saying we always, you know, we, people had it on the bracelets and everywhere, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it's, it's become so, what's the word I want? Cliche. It's, yeah, yeah, perfect. It's become so cliche. Doesn't mean it's not true. Ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Is this going to make me more like him or less like him? Because our, our, our goal is to become more like Christ. Look at the next verse, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. Those thoughts that we have, those impressions that we have, we don't just blindly follow them. We take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. We do that because not every thought... Not every impression that we have is from him. So we make our thoughts obedient to him. Now, but how do we know which ones will make us more like Christ? Well, James helps us out with that. He gives us a pretty good indication of how to discern whether something that we're hearing is, you know, those thoughts that we're hearing will make us more like Christ. James chapter 3, starting in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. That's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? Willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. 
And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James gives us some filters there that we can run things through to determine, run thoughts through to determine whether this is something that Jesus would do. Is it pure? If not, you know Jesus wouldn't do it and neither should we. Is it peace-loving? Well, if it's from Jesus, then it is. Is it gentle? Is it full of mercy? These are all things that describe Jesus and the, the, the sort of things that Jesus would do. So they serve as a good filter to try to figure out whether or not what I'm hearing is from God or not. Third thing, third filter, recognizing God's voice. Does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? Now, I want to explain this. Not necessarily with what I want to do, okay? It's not just talking about, can I find somebody that is a spiritual person, quote-unquote, that will tell me it's okay to do what, I'm, what I want to do or to act on what I think I'm hearing? No. Does godly counsel from a few different godly people agree with each other? And godly, not spiritual. There's a huge difference sometimes between a spiritual person. Because what spirit are they spiritual from or godly? So, you know, um, um, a few different godly people, do they agree with, you, with each other? Are you hearing the same thing from several godly voices in your life? It's like, okay... This person gives me this advice. You know, that's somebody they've, you know, they're walking with God. They've got a long track history of hearing from God and walking with Him. And they're, they're saying this. And this person over here, similar situation, and they're saying this. Do these godly people in my life, are they all agreeing with either saying, yes, you're hearing from God, or no, you need to stay away from that because that's not God? Because uh, we're, we're looking at, at, at whether or not they agree that, that the godly counsel, not just one person, but godly counsel in general, is it, you know, what do they say? Are they agreeing with each other, and then does that agree with what I'm thinking? See, Proverbs twelve fifteen says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. The wise listen to others. To others, we would do well to listen to the advice of others. Proverbs nineteen, uh, verse twenty twenty one says this: Listen to the advice, listen to advice, and accept discipline. And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Now, that accept discipline part—that's the hard part, right? Would you agree? Because we don't like discipline. We do not like discipline. We don't like to be corrected, especially my generation, baby boomer generation. We were born in rebellion, and we've got rebellion running through us, and, you know, it needs to be constantly kept in check. We don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like discipline. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be told we're wrong. And we live in a culture now the fruit of that is we now live in a culture that balks anytime somebody tells us we're wrong. 
all right? You can't tell anybody that they're wrong without getting a backlash, an angry backlash coming against you. But let me tell you something. The ability to accept, to, uh, accept correction, the ability to accept discipline, the ability to accept advice when it's not necessarily what you want to hear, the ability to do that puts you among the wise. So welcome advice from wise people, from godly people. In verse 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Also look at Proverbs 24, 6. A lot of wisdom in Proverbs. You know, I'm going through this year, you know, every day reading a chapter of Proverbs. And, and whatever, whatever day of the month it is, like what's today, the 19th, I read the 19th chapter of Proverbs. Tomorrow morning I'll get up, I'll read the 20th chapter of Proverbs. Whatever it is, then at the end of the month, if there's not 31 days in the month, I just finish out the book and start over again with chapter 1 because it's full of wisdom, and I want to sow that into my life. You know, so I'm doing that this year. I've done it before, you know, and, and, and just constantly, you know, putting it. And I'm always seeing something fresh, something new, or something in another light. Now look at Proverbs 24, 6. It says, surely you need the guy, surely you need guidance to wage more wage war. And victory is won through many advisors. It says victory is won. In our struggle, in our spiritual warfare that we're in every day in our lives, victory is won through many advisors. I'm not talking about a bunch of people that will just automatically agree with us and tell us what we want to hear. We have those people around us all the time. You know, uh, you, you, you put something on Facebook and, and people just come boom, 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 right, just what you want to hear, you know, backing you up and, and, and you're wrong, but they're, they're, they're backing you up and telling you all kinds of stuff. Um, talking about godly counsel godly counsel godly counsel will tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear godly counsel will speak the truth because godly counsel isn't based and get this godly counsel is not based on emotions or on feelings it's based on truth it's based on truth. Often people just give advice based on their feelings. But we can't trust that. We can't get trust advice that's just based on someone's feelings or their emotions. Jeremiah 17, 9, it's not in your, um, it's not in your outline, but you can write it down, the reference. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And yet, how often do we get advice from people that comes from what they feel in their heart? See, we can't use that as a basis to discern whether or not what we're hearing is from God. We want godly counsel that's based in truth, not in feelings or emotions. So one more filter I want to give you, and that is the fourth one, do I have peace? Do I have a peace about it? Now, you got to be careful with this one because, as we just said, we can't trust our feelings because they often lie to us. But I'm not talking about our feelings. I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking here about our spirit. And don't confuse the two. 
Don't mistake the emotional peace for peace in your spirit. Don't mistake emotional nervousness about something for a check in your spirit. There's a difference, okay? So, um, uh, but, you know, when you combine this, when you combine this question of do I have peace with the other three filters, it can really be a helpful part in the discerning process. I want you to look at Colossians 3.15. It says, the peace that comes, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. When Paul says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, the word rule there means to act as umpire. To act as umpire. If you watch a baseball game, you've got the umpire there behind the plate, and, and uh, uh, you know, when you know, somebody comes you know, sliding in home, and they throw the ball to tag him out, and, you know, the cloud, of, he's sliding, and the cloud of dust just comes up, and, and you can't really see, did he tag him, did he not tag him? That umpire, you know, calls the shots and says, safe, or says, out. The peace of Christ, let it serve as umpire in your heart. See, sometimes... Everything else may be giving you a green light about something. But there's a check in your spirit. And I'm not talking about nervousness. Sometimes, you know, we all get nervous when we feel, you know, God's leading us to do something and it's out of our comfort zone. You know, uh, it's, it's totally out of our comfort zone. So we get nervous about it and we want to back off. Well, no, we don't need to back off because we're nervous. We need to listen. Is there a check in my spirit about this? And sometimes, you know, we have all these other green lights, but there is a check in our spirit about, the, you know, what, what, we're, what we're thinking, what, what we're, you know, about to do. And often that's the Holy Spirit just telling us, no, I don't want you doing this. And that can come in a whisper like we talked about. like when Paul, you know, we talked, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, a week or two ago, we talked about the Apostle Paul and says the Holy Spirit forbid him from going here or from speaking the word in this place. The book of Acts, the Holy Spirit forbid him. You, know, you, could, put, you could say put a check in his spirit and says, nope, that's not what we're supposed to do. So, you know, it can be the Holy Spirit telling you no, or sometimes it can be the Holy Spirit saying, not now. And that can be, this is a good thing. And yes, you're going to be doing this, but the timing's not right. Not now. Now, you don't want to rely on this filter alone. You want to use it in combination with the other three. But pay attention to that check in your spirit. Philippians 6, uh, chapter 4, verses 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And just kind of a side note, 
let's not forget the thanksgiving when we go to God and ask him for things and pray and, and give him, you know, put our petitions before him and, and present our requests to him and tell him what we need, tell him what we want and all that. All that's good stuff. But don't forget to come with thankfulness for what he's already done and who he already is in your life. So, okay, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, and that means human reasoning. The peace of God that, that goes beyond human reasoning, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we take everything to God, and we trust Him with all of it. His peace will guard our hearts. Those are four filters we can use to see whether what we're hearing is God's voice or not. Does it line up with the Bible? Will it make me more like Christ? Does godly counsel agree? You know, godly voices around me, are they in agreement with each other and with what I'm thinking? Do I have peace? Or is there a check in my spirit? Now, I want to close this series with a couple of final thoughts. Title of the series is Frequency. Frequency. And through the graphics and that, the whole idea is like tuning in, tuning into God's voice, tuning into what we're hearing. Like a radio, you know, you tune into the station so you can see the signal better. But there's also a double meaning. Frequency also has to do with frequently, frequent often, repetition, repeating something over and over. So, with that in mind, you want to hear the voice of God. You want to recognize His voice. You want to learn to discern His voice. You want to learn to, to uh, uh, hear when He's speaking to you and know that it's Him. Tune in to God every day. Tune in to Him every day. We do this by putting ourselves in a place to hear from God. Do you put yourself in a place to hear from God? Every morning I get up and I put myself in his word before I get into the day because it's a place where I hear from God. I hear, I, I, I put myself in his word. I put myself in his presence. You know, uh, uh, coming together and gathering with believers like this, putting ourselves in a place to hear from God. John 10, 4, in the message translation, we read it, uh, uh, another translation at the beginning of this, but in the message translation, it says this. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. How do we get familiar with someone's voice? By hearing them a lot by talking with them and hearing their voice. You know, I can get a, a call on my phone, and without even looking at, an, at, at, at caller ID, you know, I can, I can answer the phone, and, you know, I hear, hey, and I know who it is. I, if, it, it, I, I, if it's Lisa calling me, my wife, I know who it is because I've been listening to her voice. I've become familiar with it over over 40 years. Over 40 years, I've learned to hear her voice. She can call one of you, and you don't recognize the number, and 
she'll, you know, she you answer it and hello, and you say, hey. And you're thinking, who is this? Who is this? Because you're not used to talking to her on the phone. Except for maybe Susie, because she's her daughter. <coughs> but um, you're, you're, uh, you learn a voice by becoming familiar with it by hearing it. So tune in to God every day. Listen for his voice every day. Second part of that is tune out things that oppose God. We have to actively tune out things that oppose God. The voices that, that we know are contradicting what God says. John 10, 5 in the message says, they won't follow a stranger's voice. The who? The sheep. The sheep won't follow, that belong to the shepherd. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Some of us have become too used to the sound of a stranger's voice. And we listen too much to what our culture tells us and what the prevailing opinion of our culture says. And we need to tune out and listen to what God is trying to say, not our culture. We need to become more familiar with his voice and less familiar with all the voices that are around us. And then, you know, a lot of times we just readily accept what people around us are saying without asking, is this really what God is saying? We need to tune in, tune out, and third thing, once we hear, we need to take steps toward what God has spoken. John 10, 29 in the NLT. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and what? They follow me. We hear his voice because we have relationship with him and we've cultivated hearing his voice and they follow me we follow him if we just hear but we don't follow it doesn't do us any good we don't benefit from it at all nothing we've heard will do us good unless we do what it says unless we take steps toward what God has spoken so let me ask you this morning what steps is God telling you to take? What steps has he been telling you to take? As we're in this series and we've been listening to him, we've been, been, been listening to his voice, we've been learning to hear his voice, what steps is he telling us to take this morning? Is it to take out our calendars and just mark off time in the morning for him so that nothing interferes with it? Is it, is it, is it, you know, uh, 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 is there a relationship that's pulling us away from God that he's been speaking to us about uh, and, and dealing with us about that we need to just put the brakes on that relationship? Is the next step, maybe it's surrendering our life fully to Jesus. Is that the next step? I mean, surrendering our life 
fully. Maybe there's an area of your life that you've held back and you've kept control of. The time to surrender is now. The time that he's saying, because the, the, the next step to surrender it fully, it's now. It's today. Otherwise, we can hear all we want, but unless we yield to what he's saying and take those steps of obedience, what good does it do us? I want to invite the worship team to come on up.